Welcome to the Overflow Podcast. We pray you are encouraged by this message. For more info, notes, or other messages, visit our website at overflowdfw.com. We're talking about cultivate, right? That's been our theme this year. We've been revisiting our core values. We've been, we've been establishing those things. And one of our values here at Overflow is generosity, that we're blessed to be a blessing. We're not just, we're not, we're not just receiving blessings. Come on, we're blessed so we can be a blessing. So that is the, the idea and the fuel behind this series. And so what we want to talk about today is I want to talk about the priestly blessing. Everybody say the priestly blessing. Now, you can also call it, as Pastor Nathan did a little bit earlier, the, the Aaronic or the Aaronic blessing. And, and basically what that is, is it's just this blessing that the Lord gives for Aaron to speak over God's people. Now, now understand this. Aaron is the high priest. He's, he's, he's the priest above all the other priests. It's like he's the, he's the lead pastor, if you will, of, of the temple of the day. And so he is really in charge of, of, of the work of God, really all all the, the, the temple, all the things that are going on in the temple. Come on, you know, the temple wasn't just worship going on. It wasn't just sacrifices going on. There were also, they were also cleaning, cleaning candle holders. You know what I'm saying? I mean, all these guys. But the only people that could work in the temple were priests because you had to go through all these ceremonial things. And they were sharp. They were very detailed, right? They took really good care of themselves and the house of God because they knew what they were doing was important. There's a message right there. And so really, the, the priest's job was to deal with the dealings of God. So they were to represent the people to God. But they were also God's representatives on the earth. So, what it was, so when someone were to hear from the Lord, oftentimes they would go to a prophet, but they would also go to a priest. And priest's primary job was to atone for the sins of the people, right? This is before the cross. And so no, you couldn't just say, Lord, forgive me of my sins. That didn't work. You had to go and do some penance for it. You had to put some work in if you want to forgiveness. Some of you think that that's still the way it is, that if you, that if you want to be right in God's sight, you got to do something right. That ain't the way it works anymore. Now you just have to trust. And so you can read about the priestly role a whole lot in Hebrews. And I'm not going to spend a lot of time talking about that. So you had Aaron, the, pre, the, the high priest, the priest under him. And so God tells Aaron, now this is when God is laying out the, all the law, the Levitical law, the ceremonial law, the civil law, all these laws that God is saying, listen, I'm going to preserve my people with this law until Christ, come on. And so he says, I'm going to give you all these decrees, all these commandments. And he says, and I'm going to build a temple so that people can connect with me. They'll have to do it through a priest, but they're going to connect with me. But before he ever builds the temple, he says, Aaron, I want you to go out and I want you to lift your hands over the people of God and I want you to bless them. And this is what we see right here in Numbers. And this, is be a, this would be a really great passage for you to memorize because it's great for your prayer time. It's great if you, if, if you say, I wanna be a blessing to someone, then you can declare this over their lives. And we're gonna, talk, we're gonna dig into it today. So Numbers chapter six, everybody got that? Numbers chapter six, verse 22. Then the Lord said to Moses, tell Aaron and his sons, his sons were also priests, right? They were of the priesthood. This is how you are to bless the Israelites, Say to them, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face towards you and give them peace, give you peace. So they will put, and this is verse 27, this gets forgotten a lot, check this out. So they will put my name on the Israelites 
and I will bless them. And so here it is, bless you, keep you, make your face shine upon you and give you peace. So for 3,000 years since this was given, to God's people, this has been used in liturgical settings. It's been used uh, in synagogues. People many times that, that, are, that are very kind of Jewish, you know, and use a lot of that stuff. This is, this is very core to their belief system. Now, now most of us charismatics and, and Christians, most of us, especially Westerners, have really kind of distanced ourselves from this type of thing. But part of the reason why we're doing this series is because we want you to have a robust understanding of God, his kingdom, and his scriptures, right? And so for 3,000 years, this has been a, a been something that was used as a, as a declaration. It was something that would be used on the benediction of a service. Some of you might have been to a service before, but someone declares this blessing. It's kind of similar to what we have in the New Testament. And we did a series on this, the Lord's Prayer, right? And so the Lord's Prayer is kind of our staple of prayer. This is kind of the staple of blessing. Because everything that, that we would really need in God can be found in this blessing. So this is why it's so important. So why is it valuable why, why is this blessing in particular valued? Why do we repeat it? Why do we sing songs about it? Why is it written throughout uh, liturgy and all this kind of stuff? Why, what, liturgy, why is, it, why is all that there? Well, first of all, it's because we want God's blessing, right? I mean, that's the obvious thing, right? We don't want to just live our lives and be really good at life. We want God's blessing. And we know that if we want God's blessing, we gotta do things his way. The second thing is it was given by God. So God gave us this blessing. God gave his children this blessing. Now, it was, it was obviously given to the Israelites, but, but this was given to God's people. Now, when it says the Lord on there, which it does three times, when it says the Lord, it's talking about Yahweh. Everybody say Yahweh. Yahweh. Now, we know that when God in the, in, in the book of Genesis, he's, he says that I am Elohim, right, which is plural, which we'll get into in just a second. But then whenever he comes and he starts revealing himself to man, he starts saying, I am the Lord. And what the word, the Lord is there is the, is, is the, the name is Yahweh. The reason why God said he wanted to have a name is because he wanted to be in a covenant with people and needed to have a, a name to sign that covenant. So God says, I, my name will be Yahweh. And some people will say Jehovah. And so we have the name Yahweh and he uses it three times for three parts of this blessing. So why is it important? Because first of all, we want God's blessing. Secondly, because it's given by God. And it, and it exemplifies his covenant, his blessing, and our inheritance. You can write those three things down. His covenant, the blessing, and our inheritance. And the third thing about this blessing and why we should value it is it expresses his nature. Isn't it interesting that it says the Lord three times? Isn't it interesting that God is one? but he is plural, right? He is Elohim, but he is Yahweh. He is God the Father, he is God the Son, and he is God the Holy Spirit. Isn't it, isn't it interesting? This is all wrapped up that the Father, El Shaddai, would keep us, right? That his Son, Jesus, would be gracious to us. He's provided the way for grace. And that the Holy Ghost, the Parakletos, the one who comes alongside of us and gives us peace would be all represented in this blessing. So let's dig into this blessing, the priestly blessing. You good? Number, the first part is this. The Lord bless you and keep you. Everybody say that. The Lord bless you and keep you. 
The Lord bless you and keep you. Now, last week we talked about blessing, right? We talked about that the, the blessing involves favor, the enjoyment of God, fulfillment, contentment in God's goodness, and fellowship, rejoicing, connectedness, which is like the way that we get excited when we hang out, right? It's not like connected to God doesn't mean God is tolerating you. It means he's rejoicing in his connection with you, rejoicing connectedness. So the, the first part is bless you, and then he says this, keep you, keep you. The Lord wants to keep, everybody say keep you. Now that word, listen, that word in the Hebrew is, is this, it means to keep, to watch, to preserve, and to guard. It's to protect you, but also to preserve you, to exercise great care, to guard and give attention to you. How many know that the Lord come on, is looking over your life. And most of the time we think of that because many times we get into shame and we think the Lord is watching me. We go, oh no, right? He's kind of like Santa Claus. He's making a list and checking it twice, right? Gonna find out who's naughty and nice. That's kind of the way that we think about God sometimes, that he's just, he's just keeping track of all of our wrongs. But how many know that the Lord is watching over you to guard you? And the things that he's telling you no to, they're to protect you. Come on. And you think you know what's best for your life. You don't know what's best for your life. God does. That's why he's given you the scriptures so you can know what's best for your life. And the problems come when we get outside of that. So he, he's, our, he's our protection and our preservation. He's our keeper. He's our keeper. Everybody say, he's my keeper. Isaiah chapter 27 says this, in that day... Sing about the fruitful vineyard. The fruitful vineyard. I, the Lord, will watch over it. I'm the keeper. Watering it carefully. Day and night, I will watch so no one can harm it. So God is saying, listen, it's like this garden. I have a garden, and I am the keeper of that garden. Did you know that in his garden, he is the gardener and the guardian? So he's not just going and working the ground of your garden. He's the, he's the keeper of it. He's also the guardian. He's also standing at the gate of the guardian, garden going, you know what? I decide what comes in and what goes out. So we've got to be careful, beloved, that we're not standing at the gate of our garden and letting things in that God doesn't want in there. That I'm filtering everything in my garden through the Lord. This is how you live in protection. See, we, we, we tell people all the time, you just, you gotta protect yourself. You gotta protect yourself. And what happens is we end up being very calloused and very hard. I'll just get all those people out of your life. And the Lord's saying, do things my way and I will guard your heart. Let me be the guardian of your heart. Let me be the guardian and the gardener of your heart. Let me nourish those things there. See, some of y'all, are, are you let the enemy in or you let the spirit of the world to come in and sow seeds in your garden. But the Lord is serious, not about just about your protection, but your preservation. And he preserves you through purity. So it's important that we get into alignment. And I, I would also encourage you this, don't just, don't just allow the Lord to protect your garden but also stay in the garden, right? If you want protection, stay in the garden. Quit getting out of his garden and eating from the other gardens. 
Quit getting out of his vineyard and drinking from the other vineyards. Stay in the garden. So here's the deal. There's this awesome passage in Psalm 91. And I'm not going to go through all of it, but I'm going to go through part of it. And when, when we're praying God's protection, and we're praying God as a keeper, again, as the guardian and the gardener, right? Not just protecting, but also nourishing. When we're praying that, so, uh, Psalm 91 is a great passage. Now, some of you are not very familiar with this. Some of you have heard it. But this should be a staple in our prayer times. Okay, when you're praying over someone that has COVID, go to this. When you're praying for someone that has cancer, go to this, right? When, you, when you're praying for someone that's gonna take a trip, pray this over them. Someone that's going through a difficult time, someone that feels unsafe or insecure, right here, pray this, here it is. And this is just through verse seven, and there's a lot more there. Those who live in the shelter, uh-oh, you got to live in the shelter. Come on, you got to be in the garden. Those who live in the shelter of the Most High will find rest in the shadow of the Almighty. The Hebrew word for Almighty there is El Shaddai, which means the Almighty Sufficient One. Other words, God is capable and strong to handle any battle. He's powerful enough. And so what he's saying is, listen, I can handle, I can fight your battles for you. But what you need to do is stop fighting your own battles and let me fight your battles and find refuge in my shadow. And this is what he says. This I declare about the Lord. So he's like, Lord, he makes this statement. and He says, this is what I declare about the Lord. So you can, listen, if, if we can be given this in the Psalms and David says, declare this, then you can declare this. You, you read the people that are like, all oh, that declaring stuff, read the Psalms. This I declare about the Lord. He alone is my refuge, my place of safety. He alone. He is my God, and I trust him. Why, 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 why would I trust God? Because he's trustworthy. You can trust God because he's El Shaddai. He's the all-sufficient, powerful one. For he will rescue you from every trap and protect you from deadly diseases. He will cover you with his feathers and will shelter you in his wings. Jesus gives us this picture about a mother hen. He's actually talking to the religious and he's weeping over them. And he says, oh, how the Lord would just love to bring you in like a hen does to its baby hens or baby chicks, whatever they are, hen chicks. He says, the Lord wants to gather you in. It's like the Lord wants to protect you. And that's what, that's what a, a mother hen would do. If it heard loud noises or bangs or whatever, it would, right? Y'all like that? And bring them in. Bring them in where? Under the shadow of those wings to protect them. And this is what the Lord is doing. This is a picture of how the Lord is. And Jesus was saying, even people that are wrong, the, the Lord is weeping because he's like, I want you in. I want you to be, to be brought in under my protection, under my keeping, under my safeness. His faithful promises are your armor and protection. So do not be afraid of the terrors of night. Do you have night terrors? Don't be afraid. Nor the arrow that flies in the day. When everybody's firing at you, when you feel like you're under attack, don't be afraid. Do not dread the disease that stalks in darkness. Come on. All the fear that we've been living under, do not, do not dread that. Do not fear that. 
Listen, you are not a slave to fear. Come on. Nor the disaster that strikes at midday. This is a great verse (laughs) for us to pray against COVID-19. Come on. Against the, the battles that we face. Though a thousand may fall at your side, though 10,000 are dying all around you, these evils will not touch you. And so just listen, when you feel unsafe, go to the word. This is a great thing for you to pray. It'll, it'll encourage you because you'll know that God's good for his word. Come on. And David's saying, just declare these things. So if you're, you are dealing with a, a season of darkness where you feel unkept or you feel, you feel unprotected, we're not talking about all the the politicizing of a disease. We're talking about the faith to endure whatever is being thrown at us. There's, there's far worse things than COVID. And fear might be one of them. So just declare the word of the Lord. Doesn't mean that you, you know, whatever. Doesn't mean you ignore things. But it means that, you, that your primary posture is trusting El Shaddai. Okay? So protection and preservation the Lord keep you. The second is this, let his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. His face shine upon you. Say that. Face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The, the, the NLT, I love the NLT. It's probably my favorite to read. It says, it says it this way, may the Lord smile on you. Because the people of the day didn't think God was smiling. <laughs> they thought God was in a really bad mood. And God was often in a really bad mood. Often, not always, but often in a really bad mood. I would say that God sometimes still gets upset. But that is not his primary posture. Okay, get this. The Lord will smile on you. And this is the blessing of the Lord, the smile of the Lord. This, this is the idea. The idea is if you saw God face to face, God was ready to take you out. That you're about to experience judgment. This is, what, this is what Old Testament believers believed. This is why Jacob, when he says, I saw God face to face and lived, he was shocked because he was like, if I see God, I'm going to die. This is why when people saw angels, they were afraid. Why? Well, first of all, they were freaky looking. They didn't look like the thing on top of your Christmas tree. But the second thing is this, is that they thought that, that they would die, that God was showing up to take them. So they thought to see God was a negative thing. And so, so Jacob, he's surprised. He's like, I saw God face to face and I lived. Can you believe it? I'm alive still. And the Lord showed up. Some of y'all feel that way. If I go into church, the roof is going to fall in. However, in blessing, that's not the way it is. And that's not the way that we need to see God's face. He's not enraged with a scowl. He's not mostly disappointed and mostly in in, in a state of disapproval. But the blessing of the Lord brings an adoring, gracious smile. That his face is beaming. It's It's like a dad when his son is born. Come on. It's like when you, when you see a friend that you haven't seen in years. I'm thinking about this, a friend that I hadn't seen in probably about 10 years. And a couple of years ago, I went and saw him. And, uh, and we were tight, really, really tight at one time. And, and, and I walk in, he was in the hospital. That's part of the reason why I went to see him. And I walk into the hospital room and I'm like, hey, what's up? And he's like, 
He just, he just, he grabbed my face and he just looked at my face for a minute. And then we just, we hung, you know, we, we were excited to see one another. This is the way the Lord's face is towards you. He's, he's shining. This is what it says in Psalms 34, 5. It says, those who look to him are radiant. So we reflect, right? We reflect that blessing of the Lord. The Lord shines on us. We have this stuff, right? The Lord shines on us. We've been talking about this. Those who look to the Lord, what are they? They're radiant. They're just reflecting. They're just reflecting the Lord. They're not covered in shame. They're not like this. This is, listen, if this is your posture towards the Lord, like you need to hide from the Lord, you're operating under shame. You're operating under shame. And we wanna help you get out of that. Come on, we're not shaming you for that. We're saying, listen, God loves you. His face is towards you. His face is shining upon you. Their faces are never covered in shame. Shame will always cause you to hide your face. Shame will always cause you to not look someone in the eye. When you sin against someone, it's hard to look them in the eye. How many of y'all have ever sinned against someone? I have. And I'm like, hey, how's it going? What, What is that? That's shame. That's the shame talking. Number three, his face towards you. Again, his face. Isn't it interesting that there's so much about the face of God and the blessing? His face toward you. His face is shining. It's shining towards you and gives you peace. So the fallen face or the, the face of shame or the hiding face is, is, is the idea of anger or withholding support, favor, or blessing. So if I'm mad at you and you come to me and you want something, what am I gonna do? No. But what we're believing God for when we're in God's blessing is he points his face at us. And he goes, yes, I'm not withholding. I'm not upset. I'm not judging you. My attention is on you. And my attention is on you because I care for you. If God lifts his face towards people, it means he has given them his attention and his peace. Because when God looks at you and you lock eyes with the one, who is El Shaddai, you lock eyes with the one who has all authority and all power. When you lock eyes with him, there's peace because you know his attention is towards you. It's not against you. The the word there, peace, is the word shalom, right? Which if you've ever been around someone who's Jewish or, you know, we've got this kind of departure of people that are like, you know, the whole Jewish thing. Listen, you're a Gentile believer, I, I trust that at least most of you are. You're not a Jew. Just want to remind you of that, but we, but, but we can learn from the Jews. Come on. Yeah, <laughs> we have a lot of history of the Jews. And so one of the things that the Jews will say often is shalom. What are they saying? They're saying peace over you, right? And so that needs to be, we don't necessarily need to say shalom, but we need to be bringing peace. We need to be people of peace. It doesn't mean, now let me just say this. Making peace and keeping peace are two different things. Come on, because some people, in the world, we think, we think make, keeping peace is, is, and it is keeping peace, keeping your mouth shut, but that's not making peace. Peace is made through conversations and through reconciliation. Come on, not through avoiding things. That's not peace. That's, that, that's actually that actually creates tension, <laughs> ignoring things. So, but being peaceful when you bring it, that your objective is peace. Come on, is your objective peace? 
Shalom. Shalom is a state of tranquility or wholeness. Isn't that interesting? We kind of, we use the word tranquility and we kind of think, that's kind of new agey, you know? It's kind of oily. (laughs) Tranquility. Sounds like a name of an oil. There probably is an oil called tranquility. Yeah, I think there is. Sorry. (laughs) Shalom. (laughs) Right? We love that because we, we want to be at peace. Well, guess what? He is your peace. He's Yahweh Shalom. He's the God that gives you peace. And it carries, it carries within us. It doesn't just mean you feel good. It actually has a meaning of welfare, prosperity, wholeness, as well as the absence of hostility. And it says this, Psalmist says, 55, 22, he says, cast your care on the Lord and he will sustain you. He will never let the righteous be shaken. So what do we need to do if, we, if we're getting shaken and our peace is disrupted? We look at the one who's looking at us and we go, oh, you're caring for me. I forgot for a minute. I forgot for a minute that this was your battle, Lord. I forgot for a minute that I have no reason to fear the arrow that flies by day or the terror that comes by night. I I forgot for a minute, but as I lock eyes with you and and I realize that your attention and your care is on me, it's easy for me to have peace. So we experience peace when we focus our attention on him. Isaiah 26.3, this is a good one to memorize. This will make a great plaque at Hobby Lobby. You will keep in perfect peace those those whose minds are steadfast on you because they trust you, because they trust in you. You will keep in perfect peace. Not just a little bit of peace, perfect peace. That's good. (laughs) Whole, complete peace. How do you get that? How do you get peace? Setting your mind on him. Setting your attention. Setting your face towards him. Because they trust you. And then he makes this statement at the end of this blessing. Makes this powerful statement. So So they will put my name on them and bless them. They will put my name on them. Other words, God is saying, you will be identified by me. All the other, see, we, we have this thing that we say, y'all have heard me talk about this a lot. We have this thing that we say in American culture, where they're all children of God. Wrong. It says in John chapter one, verse 10, it says we have the right to become children of God through Jesus. You only become a child of God through Jesus. It doesn't matter if you're born a Jew or born a Gentile. You gotta, have, you gotta be born again. You gotta be born again. You gotta be born into this family. And once you are, he puts his name on you. That's why we call ourselves Christians. Some people say, oh, I don't wanna be called a Christian anymore because it's got a bad rap. Well, fix it. Don't disassociate yourself. You got the name of Christ on you. Don't disassociate, just redeem it. <laughs> Do it right. Well, somebody in this church is right. Do it right. Shut your mouth and do it right. It's his church, by the way. It's not your church. It's not my church. Overflow isn't my church. It's his church. I just got the keys to the building. And permission for the pulpit. I mean, it's his church. Trust me, I'm accountable to someone way higher than you. (laughs) Scary. It's good. Because his face is on me in a good way. So those that are identified with him. So this is the thing. In faith, 
in the New Testament, how does, it, how does this play? This is Old Testament. How does this play? Well, in us, we're in the name of Jesus. He's put his name on us. We've been redeemed. It's the name that's above any other name. It's the name that holds all power. It's the name that has overcome all sickness, all disease, all bondage. It's the name of Jesus. It's that name that at the end of the age, every knee's gonna bow and every tongue's gonna confess that he's the king. Now you get to decide if you do it now in this life or in eternity before him. And at that time, it will be too late. But we bow to him. We are identified. We have lost our life. We are not our own. We've been bought with a price. We're his. We're identified by his name. So Jesus provides the blessing. So there's this passage in Luke 24. So Jesus dies he rises from the dead and he's hanging out with his disciples. I love it. He's hanging out with his disciples. And the number has grown and he's here. And it says this in Luke 24, 50. It says, then Jesus led them to Bethany and lifting up his hands to heaven, just like Aaron did. He lifted up his heads to heaven, hands to heaven and he blessed them. Woo! Come on, how many would love to be there for that? Jesus blessing the people. Now, a lot of scholars, a lot, believe that when Jesus spoke this blessing, he spoke the priestly blessing that was right here in Numbers chapter six. Now, we don't know this for sure, but it is safe to assume it. It's okay to assume that, that Jesus speaks this blessing over them. And while he was blessing them, he left them and was taken up into heaven. Oh, no, Lord. He's like, but I'm leaving my blessing. I'm going away, but I'm leaving my blessing. So they worshiped him. Then they returned to Jerusalem filled with great joy. They weren't filled with sorrow when Jesus left. They were actually filled with joy. Why were they filled with joy? Because Jesus blessed them. And there's joy in the blessing of Jesus. So Jesus ascends to heaven. And he goes before the right hand of the throne of God. And you can read all about this in Hebrews. And I would encourage you to do that. And Jesus goes in to, to, to the right hand of the throne of God. And he's there. And the scriptures tell us that he is there making intercession for us. That he is there representing us to the Father as the priest. So Jesus is the one that atoned for the sins. Jesus is the priest that pronounced the blessing. Now he's before the Father. And he's not just before the Father representing us to the Father. Jesus is the declared blessing over us. I, don't, I think you missed that. Jesus is the declared blessing over us. His life, his ministry, his work on the cross. And it says this in Hebrews 7:24, because Jesus lives forever. His priesthood lasts forever. He's the final high priest. He's the last one. You don't need another man to get to God. You got Jesus. Now a man will bring the word to you, but you don't have to go to someone and confess your sins. You should sometimes, but you don't have to to be forgiven by God. You don't have to to be in right standing. There is someone who already paid the price. Jesus was the final sacrifice and Jesus is the final priest once and for all. And he's not just praying for you. He blessed you. Ephesians 1.3, all praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing. See, everything that you've already asked the Lord for, he already paid for it. 
It's already. It's, it's, it's in the tube at the bank. You know when they send you the money through the tube? It's in the tube. I don't know. You might not get here today. But it's coming. It's coming. Because we're united with Christ. Not because I checked the boxes. Not because I was a good boy or a good girl. It's because I'm in Christ. Because I have identified myself with him. He put his name on me when he blessed me. So Jesus is the priestly blessing. Jesus keeps us. He's the good shepherd. Jesus is the good shepherd. So John chapter 10 is the story about the good shepherd. This is where we talk about Jesus. This is where we got the picture of, you know, white Jesus with his sheep on his shoulder. You know, you know that one. I don't know where we got him, but he's different than the one in the Bible. So Jesus is, is the great shepherd. And so what they would do uh, shepherds many times, you guys have heard me talk about this before, is they would, they would have a pen where they, where they put wall around there and the sheep would stand at the gateway and he would decide the, the gate, the door, the opening of, of this circle, they would have an opening and he would stand there. So when Jesus says, I'm the door, he's saying, I, I get to decide what comes in and out of the pen. But many times, I, I want to help some of y'all with something because we have a critical spirit, but many times they would build what's called a hedge around when they'd be out in the field and they didn't have access to rocks. And so what they would do is they would go find old thorn bushes and they would roll them up in balls and they would put them around and they would build these like fences out of, out of thorn bushes and they called those hedges. Not like the hedges at your house where they're all green and lush. No, they're thorny. And it's what they do is at night when they needed to pin their sheep up and they weren't close to home, they would go out there. Come on. When you weren't close to home and he would come out and he would build this, this pin, this art, this temporary pin out of thorn bushes. They said, we're going to hedge the sheep in. And so he would bring the sheep in and then any kind of lion or bear or scoundrel would want to come and mess with the sheep. What would happen? They would be all behind the hedge of protection. So when someone prays a hedge of protection, they'll be like, oh, 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 whatever that is. Now you understand what it is. Now you can go, let me tell you what that is. And they're going to be like, I didn't know. I'm like, why were you praying it? Because I'm, I'm too. I, I do that too. Pray a hedge of protection because it sounds so spiritual. So Jesus said this, my sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. I give them eternal life. They will never perish. Listen, the safety and the keeping of Jesus is not about physical keeping. It's about spiritual keeping. Now, I believe the Lord will protect you. But guess what? Also, many of the disciples died a martyr's death. But this is what I do know, that my eternity is secure. I give them eternal life and they will never perish. You'll never die. If you'll be born again, you'll never die. If you believe in me, you'll never die. So no one can snatch them away from me. Nobody's getting in behind my hedge. For the Father has given them to me, and he is more powerful than anyone else. He's El Shaddai. No one can snatch them from El Shaddai's hand. The Father, and then he says this, the Father and I are one. The Lord bless you and keep you. I'm going to keep you. If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Jesus provides eternal protection and preservation. Number two, Jesus delights in us. The Lord bless you. The Lord keep you. The more make his face shine upon you. What is that? That's, that's the delight of the Lord. 
It's the shining face. John 1, 16, for from his fullness, we all have received grace upon grace. For the law was given through Moses, but grace and truth came through Jesus. What is grace? It's, it's the delight that you didn't deserve. No one has ever seen God. The only God who is at the Father's side has been made known. You want to know? I want to know what God looks like. Look at Jesus. I want to know what God acts like. Look at Jesus. That's what God acts like and looks like. That's why Jesus came. I came to reveal the Father. Because many people had misunderstood him. He's saying, listen, I'm telling you, he's smiling. He's shining. It's divine delight and favor. It's the smile of a father upon his child. When Jesus came, he put a smile on the father's face. Listen, Jesus is the Father's favor. God, I want your favor on my life. Jesus. Jesus is the Father's favor. I, I, I love what Jesus said. You know, Jesus seemed to in, indicate that God's in a good mood. <laughs> he says this in Luke 12, 32. He's in a good mood. He's not mad all the time. It gives your Father great happiness to give you the kingdom. He's not like, hey, I'm going to give you the kingdom. I don't want to, but I'm going to. No. It was the joy that was set before in Jesus. It's the kingdom. He looked at it. He said, yeah. Ha, I like them. His composure, his countenance towards us is delight. And listen, when you operate in the delight of God, what happens is it reflects towards others. When you get the, the smile of God, when you reflect, this is what people do though, right? They're like, oh, God's grumpy. You think God's some old like boomer up in heaven in a bad mood, right? Oh, all the broken world. Compare this world to the world that the apostle Paul lived in, or the disciples lived in. The world that Jesus was living in, way worse in the sense of political climate and control and oppression. All those things were way worse in the scriptures. We've just grown accustomed to an easy life. God's not an old grumpy boomer in heaven. He's not. And if you're grumpy, you're probably not a boomer because we don't have any of those in the room. Maybe one or two. Some of y'all watching at home and are our uh, campuses all across the, the city. Yeah. We, got, yeah. we got multiple campuses on devices all over. Okay. Yeah. We're on, vi they're video campuses. All right. So, listen, he's not, he's not like just waiting for you to screw up again. And if you do, Jesus is right there going, remember what I did. <laughs> Remember, <laughs> the Lord's like, no, I couldn't forget. I, I, I could never forget. Number three is Jesus gives us peace. But when the Father sends the advocate, the paracletos, the Holy Spirit, as my representative, that is the Holy Spirit. He will teach you everything and will remind you of everything I've told you. So much good teaching there. I'm not going to get into it. I am leaving you 
with a gift. What is the gift? The gift is the gift of the Father. The gift is the Holy Spirit. And he says this, but it gives you peace of mind and heart. And the peace that I give is a gift the world cannot give. Listen, the peace that Jesus brings is not the peace that you're going to have because an election goes your way or because your job went your way or even because your marriage or your family is going your way. It's a peace that supersedes any problems, any persecution. Listen, this is why the disciples could stare death in the face and go, it's all good. Because they experienced the presence of the Holy Spirit. It's not of the world. So don't be troubled. Don't be afraid because the peace that I give supersedes any problem, any persecution, any people. (laughs) goes beyond that. So when we receive the Holy Spirit, we receive peace of mind and heart. Some of you just need to receive the Holy Ghost. And notice the word is receive. You don't have to work for him. He wants to dwell in you. He wants to come alongside of you and give you peace. All right, stand with me. So here's the deal with peace. If you are not right with God, you're not at peace with God. And some of you are up and down and in and out. Some of you have never been in. (laughs) I'm not criticizing you. You've just never made the decision. And Colossians teaches us this, that on our own, we're at enmity with God. We're enemies with God. His face is not towards us. His face is not shining on us. He's not looking at us with delight because we've removed ourselves from the delight of the Lord. But it talks about here in Colossians chapter 1, 19 through 22, which I was gonna read, but I'm gonna take the time. It says that God reconciled everything to himself through Christ. So what happens is God looks at you and he goes, you know what? You're not at peace with me, but guess what? I'm gonna make peace. I'm gonna pay the price. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, take care of the sacrifice so that you and I can be in right standing. So we can be, the word here used is reconciled. We like to use it like this, is that we were broken up and we got back together. So today, the Lord wants to make peace with you. He already made peace with you, but he wants the the peace to be taken hold of. He wants the reconciliation to happen. Can we just close our eyes? Father, we love you. Oh, we thank you so much for your kindness. For your generosity towards us. Jesus, you are grace personified. Jesus, you are the Father's favor on our lives. And if you're here this morning, you say, you know what, Pastor? Every eye's closed. Every, I, I'm going to let you make a, a very private, intimate moment. Nobody's looking around. We don't mind going there. But you would say, Pastor, I'm not at peace with God. We're not asking you to drag your sins out. 
talk about all the bad things you've done. But you just know that you're not right with God. You know that you're not at right standing. You know that you're, even though God might be for you, you haven't turned your face towards him. And today, you want to yield yourself to that. Is there anyone here? just want to get your attention. Just how appropriate. I want to be made right with God. Let's see a hand. Anyone else? Anyone else? Anyone else? Come on, just receive that right now, just a moment. I want to be made right with God. I want to be in right relationship with the Lord. I want to experience the delight of Jesus. Maybe you're here today and you say, you know what? I, I am right with the Lord. I'm trusting the Lord, but man, I just don't feel like I'm walking in the delight of the Lord. I'm just not experiencing that. I just need some affirmation from the Father today. Listen, it's okay. I, I go to the Lord a lot of times. I'm like, Lord, I need to, I need to know you love me right now. And what I love about the Lord is that he's, he'll meet that prayer. He'll meet that prayer. Who is that today? Just a couple of you, I believe, in the room today. I just need to experience the goodness of God. Father, right now, Lord, in the name of Jesus, release your delight. Release your delight, Lord. Release your delight, Lord. Your joy in the name of Jesus. I want to give you this assignment, not for this week, but for the rest of your life. All right? I want you to be a blessing. I want you to be a declarer of blessing over people's lives. There's this, this church that I drive by and I, I met the pastor one time and every Tuesday I drive by this church and I just extend my hand out and I say, Father, I pray in the name of Jesus that you would bless this church. I just, and you know what? I think something happens. I'm just reflecting a light. It's not because I'm so great. I'm just reflecting a light. So reflect that blessing. Start declaring blessing. You watch. Start, start blessing those who curse you, Jesus said. Just pronounce and declare a blessing over people. First Peter 2.9 says this, is that we are royal priests, a holy nation, and you can show others the goodness of God. Reflect the blessing. Listen, we're not just recipients of the blessing, we're participants. We're not just recipients of the blessing, we're participants. So get out there. Declare blessing. Don't be bashful about it. Because for me, I get a little bashful. I'm like, oh, I bless you. I'm like, someone's going to think I'm like some kind of like, you know, some kind of religious nut, you know. We, we shouldn't be bashful about this. 
You don't have to use spiritual language. Just tell them, just tell them man, you're gonna have a good day. God loves you so much. I watched watch Pastor Josh do this to people. Jesus loves you so much. What are they, he's just blessing them. That's all he's doing. So function in that today. 